If we have not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale. I'm uh, looking forward today sharing the good news with you, uh, biblical faith, a story of, uh, of our faith as Christians uh, from, from 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, we're in the favorite series. That means we're doing a, a special biblical verses, a classic verses maybe. You might call it that. Favorite verses for many of us. Uh, John 3.16 we did uh, in this series. Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. We've done that as well. Today we're looking at uh, some verses that I've read a thousand times at weddings probably. Uh, Many times I'm asked to do that. Often I choose to do that to share what love is in relation to marriage. So 1 Corinthians 13 is a key part of that. But I want to first tell you a couple things that are happening that I'd like to, I just want you to know. Uh, One is that we certainly are concerned and hear a great deal about the Ebola virus and that scares many people in our culture. But I always think, what do we do about it? Uh, It's one thing to to know about it and talk about it and be afraid of it. Another, what do we do about it? And a few years ago, we actually sent a team to Liberia where the core of this really is happening and coming to to light for us. Uh, And they worked in a hospital there. Along after that, we actually paid a scholarship for a nurse who, from Liberia who went to school and became a nurse and we believe is serving in that very area right now. And so if you think, what do we do about it? We already have done something. We've already done, had an initiative. This church, you, by being part of this church family, is making a mark there right now. And that's, I think, very exciting for us to know as we seek to follow Christ faithfully. Secondly, uh, we're also part of Habitat for Humanity in our church. We've been part of that for a long time. But we're now working with uh, the Jimmy Carter a Habitat build in Tarrant County area this week. Uh, every once in a while, the former president and his wife, Rosalind, select a city and come and work for a week in that city to celebrate, mark, and promote Habitat. He's chosen Tarrant County this year, uh, and we're part of that, uh, one of the big givers to that particular program. Pastor David and I and Susan as well are actually going to be having breakfast there uh, in the area with, with uh, Jimmy Carter along many other pastors, leaders, church leaders as well preparing for that. And so I want you to know we do things like that. You do things like that. Whether you actually, actually swing a hammer or to simply worship with us and give, you are part of that. We're making a difference uh, in Tarrant County locally uh, as well as worldwide in the Ebola uh, uh, outbreak there in Liberia, Africa. The excellence of love. That's the title I've selected today to kind of mark uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to show you some images, and I'll make a point after, I, after you see them. First image I want you to see is, that is someone in a cage in the water with a great white shark. Now, how many have done that? Anyone here? Uh, no one? No one? You still can't. No, you have done that. Uh, that's always, a, in each service, somebody's done some of this stuff. I think that's kind of dangerous. You know, that's the word I'm going to use. That is dangerous. Great white sharks on rare occasions do eat people. And so it's a dangerous activity. Second picture. Okay, this is skydiving. Uh, Some years ago, my father, his 80th birthday, did a skydiving when he turned 80. And I thought about doing it with him, got there and realized that I weighed too much in those days to actually do the tandem dive. So I got to bail on that one and not do skydiving because I think that... That definitely there looks dangerous. Anybody been skydiving? Always have a few in each service who have done skydiving. Of course, Scott's done that, so, but he got pushed out, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> that's just a joke now. Uh, the third picture, please. Uh, now, this is one of the most dangerous activities in the world and in America, and that's bull riding. Anybody bull riders here? 
One did that. One, one. We had a few do that. Uh, at 9:30, we had some folks do it as well. And that is crazy dangerous. Uh, that'll get you killed and broken up. Uh, I know that, and 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 I'm aware of that. And again, statistically, considered one of the most dangerous sports in America is bull riding. Number four. Now that's running from bulls. Anybody go to Spain and run from bulls down the street? Anybody here? Anybody plan? Is that on your bucket list? Anybody? Bucket list? No bucket list here for that, doing that? Uh, well, that's something that people choose to do. Run hundreds of bulls, I guess. You know, and you can get killed there as well. And the word, again, I'm going to use is, looks dangerous to me. Look at the guy's face. <laughs> he is scared. Okay, the last one. The last one. Now, that picture speaks for itself. You know, that's about 700-pound or 1,000-pound crocodile alligator. I'm not sure which. Uh, very, very dangerous standing right there, you know, and I wouldn't do that. Anybody do that? Anybody here? Maybe a small alligator, but probably not one that size. Take that picture off. Okay, now, as you think about those dangerous activities, I'm going to make a claim, and that is this. That's the first point of the message. Love is a dangerous way to live. Love is is a dangerous way to live. It takes courage to love God and to love others. It gives you some surprising situations when you love people and you love God. It takes courage. It often requires sacrifice. It takes us into dangerous situations. It makes us vulnerable where we can be hurt. It extends our relationships where we can fail. Love is dangerous. I'm convinced that it is. Here's how I know. Who do you think loved more purely and perfectly than anyone who's ever lived? Well, you're in the church. It's hard to get the wrong answer on this one. You know, it's Jesus. You know, he loved, you know, and, and he sacrificed. He, he cared deeper more than anyone who's ever lived in every act, whether it was feeding a hungry person healing a sick person, teaching a person who needed to know the right direction, saying, come follow me, or dying on the cross. Because his love cost him his life. Are you with me? His love cost him his life, and he was crucified by the people that he loved. And he did it anyway. He said, I chose to go to the cross. And there, of course, we have our salvation. He died for the sins of the world. Because in that sacrifice of love, supremely given, he won the world. In that tangible picture of real love that Jesus gives us, he offers you and me our own salvation that he gives us. And we're taught things like this in that context. He said, if you want to save your life, you have to give it away. You try to keep it, you're going to lose it. He's talking about love. He said, the truth shall set you free. He's talking about love. When he says to us uh, uh, that, that if you, if you want to follow me, you will have an abundant life. He's saying abundant life is a life that knows how to love. That's what an abundant life is. And 1 John says that perfect love drives away, casts out, has no room for fear. Fear's gone from that. And you don't have any fear, you'll find yourself in dangerous places, dangerous situations that love will lead you into. Small areas, big areas, surprising things, and things that you might expect. Years ago when uh, 
we first began hearing about what then was being called an HIV, kind of an AIDS crisis. Uh, it was yet really to be discovered in detail what that was in, in, the, in the 80s. And, uh, but we knew one thing about AIDS in those years. If you got it, you died. That's all we knew then. Before medication could save people's lives, and so death was going to come in a year or two. We just knew that. Uh, and I got a call from somebody in our church, and they said, would you go see uh, my son? Uh, he has AIDS. He's in ICU. He's dying. He'd not really lived a, a great lifestyle, uh, and he found himself there. And, and I remember going quickly uh, to get there to see him. I remember holding his hand, praying for him as he uh, was dying of AIDS. And in hearing that story, I thought about it sometime later, exactly what all that meant, and I realized what it meant for me. Now, it was a dangerous place to be as far as I knew. I don't know. I didn't know anything about it at that time. So as far as I know, something bad could have happened. But nonetheless, I remember later, that, thought about later, you know, I didn't decide to do that when I got the call. That decision was made long ago before that when I accepted the love of Jesus Christ into my own heart. When an undeserved young man who wasn't living any better myself received the love of Christ in my own heart and life where he saved my own life, that when I received that love, the decision was made then to love this young man who I'd never met and hold his hand while I prayed for him as he was uh, uh, dying of AIDS. So I want you to think of love like that. We don't love just with my own love. We love with the love God gives us, the love that God offers us, the love that God's given you and me throughout our lives. The moment we accepted his faith in him, are all the ways he's blessed us, or simply the, the love we received already in the service, in the song, that, the Gaither song that was sung, or the touch of God in our heart, or hope we have that God gives us, or the hope of new life that God offers us. It all comes in that way. So in the reality, the decision to love that young man was made for me a long time before, before I ever knew he existed or AIDS existed, when God loved me and I received that love. Love is dangerous. It will send you to the crisis. It will call you to change. It will demand that you give. It will ask you to sacrifice. It will put you in situations you may not want to be in. It will call you to offer yourselves to other people when you may not want to. As you think about that, I have a story that I've told before that I love because it speaks so much truth in this. Uh, and it goes back to the 9-11 story. Uh, the, the, the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Centers. And as the, the fire rages where the, both planes hit, they're in the top, near the top of the World Trade Centers, uh, there are people, as you might know, trying to escape running down as fast as they can. The thick smoke and uh, the heat, all that's going on there. And thousands were able to escape running down the stairs. But there was a select few, uh, firefighters and police officers and others, running upstairs running up to where the danger was. Why were they doing that? Well, they were afraid. It wasn't that because they weren't afraid, because that's who they are. I'm a firefighter. I'm a police officer. I work with the transit authority. That's what I do. I'm going up there where the danger is. Well, Christians, that's, this is who we are. We are asked to love like Christ loves us and gave his life for us. And so that's who we are as believers and Christians, uh, believers in Christ and Christians. That's who we are. We have to run to the dangerous places in life where love may cause us to make a sacrifice or even pay a penalty. We're being asked to do in our own life, our own journey, our own commitment. 
You know, we hear a lot about the invitation to follow Jesus, to accept and believe in Christ, to follow Christ. And I want to tell people sometimes, are you sure? Are you sure you want to follow Jesus? Are you sure you want to make that decision? We have two of the disciples who were arguing about that. They wanted to follow and be the first. They wanted to be at the top of the line. Jesus said, are you sure? He said, are you sure you're ready to drink the cup that I'm going to drink of? And and James and John said, sure, we'll drink your cup. You know, they didn't know what they were asking. And he talks about the cup we're going to receive in a while. The blood of of, of Jesus Christ shed for you and me. Are you sure? We might ask ourselves or we might hear God asking us. You may find yourself running up the stairs to where the danger is as love moves you there. That may mean forgiving someone who hurts you when you don't want to, and it may be changing a dirty diaper too. Because love carries us to all kinds of places that might be surprising for you and I when we find ourselves there. But love leads us there, but Jesus is teaching us, but that's where life really is. That's what matters. That will bring meaning to, to life and makes life worth living. And that's why Jesus said, They will know you are my disciples because you love each other. Because you love each other. Love lets us hurt. Love puts us in places where we grieve. Love calls us to sacrifice. Love makes us give up to things. It tells us to forgive. It says, turn the other cheek. Now let me tell you a little bit about the church. These words were written to in the very beginning in Corinth, the Corinthian church. This church uh, in Corinth, and Corinth might best be described today in modern day terms as a cross between Los Angeles uh, and Las Vegas. It had both. It was that, it was known as that type of community, wild and crazy city uh, in the Roman Empire. Rome might be better known as like New York, might have that kind of comparison. And that's who had come to Christ in the Corinthian church. Folks who had been pagans, worshiping all pagan gods. Folks who have been very immoral living as everybody else in that culture. This is a city where gladiators killed each other every day for entertainment. This is a city where there was a hill uh, dedicated to Aphrodite, one of the Roman goddesses, who had a thousand prostitutes serving her uh, day in and day out there on that hill. That's the kind of community that it was. It It was made up of a church that had slaves in the church, as well as the slave owners one of the few communities that had that type of gathering where slaves and owners worshiped the same in the same place. It had rich, very, very rich in that culture. The rich were fabulously rich, the poor were fabulously poor. They were also in there in that same place. And all kinds of religious backgrounds had come together. And that's who made up this group of people. And that church had its problems, as you might imagine, as it began to figure out what is it to be a people who accepted God's love in Christ, and yet we now commune together as the people of God. How do we live this out? One of the issues that they had, the apostle points out in Corinthians is, was around communion. We're about to have communion here in a few minutes in our church. What was happening was, in those days, they would have often a, a feast before they would end with the sacrament of communion. And they'd come together and bring their own food. It wasn't a typical covered dish dinner, though, like we have uh, in churches today. Uh, what they did was the wealthy would bring their Roman feast. And we don't know how to feast like they did. They would bring a feast, to a course of 20 amazing kinds of foods that they would expect to eat when they had dinner together. 
And the poor would bring, well, almost nothing. They were all in the same place. And Paul points out, why aren't you sharing with each other? Why are the rich being stuffed uh, and the poor go hungry? That's not right. They had yet to understand what love really was. The church was also divided. They argued about all kinds of things. Some said, hey, we're, we follow Paul. Some said, no, we follow Apollos. No, we follow Peter. And so they're all divided about who they followed. He said, don't you know you're following Jesus? It's not about Paul and Peter and Apollos. Things like this are happening in that church. There were arguments. There was conflict. There was division. There was downright disparity in how they shared together with one another. And so Paul, Paul accuses them of, of, of that, of not loving like they should. So in the middle of those words where that's being discussed, he drops in 1 Corinthians 13. Right in the middle of all those claims, expectations, talking about faith and hope as well. And here the word comes to this church divided by bad behaviors. And he's saying, you accept Christ's love for you. Of course you do. Now use that same love to love each other. And there are the words. 13.1, again, I'll read them for you as they go up on the screen as well. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, you have sound without substance. You have a harshness without the sweetness. And the church is about substance and sweetness. And the Christian life is about substance and sweetness. And that is the call God has upon us. And Jesus said, as you have received, freely receive, so freely give. How you're to live. And it makes life worth living. Jesus called that the abundant life. Now here's some of the things that the text says, uh, makes, shows us what love is like and should be. It says love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. I've said it often, uh, and I, again, I said I read this often at, at, at weddings, that uh, marriage goes, goes much better if people are nice to each other in the relationship. You know, it may not sound like a big deal, but if people are patient and kind uh, with each other, then it's surprising how that marriage is strengthened by that activity uh, because the Bible is right about that. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Again, all words in Corinthians. It's not self-seeking, which is self-promoting in many ways. It keeps no record of wrongs. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's love. Then it says, 13.8a, love never fails. Love never fails. Now, I want you to think about that a little bit, if you would. Now, we, we all define for ourselves pretty much what we think success is for us, don't we? We have an idea anyway. We have an outcome we're looking for in our life, I hope. Uh, success is this. We, 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 we may have that be our target. Somebody else may have this as their target. We have success. And sometimes we achieve those things, sometimes we don't. And here it says that success is loving God and loving our neighbor. And if I choose that as my line of success, then I can't fail. You can't fail if that's what you want. If that's what, if that's what you want your life to be, that's who you want to be as God loves you. That's how you want to uh, experience life and relationships, and you want to do that. If your goal is to love like Jesus loves you, then you cannot fail. 
No matter where you are, what's happening in your life, how dark the day may seem, how much it may seem like failure has been your journey, it's changing a moment. I'm going to love my neighbor today like God loves me. I'm going to love God like Christ gave his life for me and loved me that much. Love never fails. 13.13, it concludes the Corinthians text with this. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Because Paul wrote a great deal about faith and hope in Corinthians and Romans and all of his writings. He talks about it all the time. Chapter after chapter, faith, 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 hope, hope, hope. By the way, love is better than both those things. Love is the best thing. Even though I've told you all kinds of things in this letter, don't forget this truth. Without that, you're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal, and what's the point? teaching of the church, the teaching of Christ, teaching of faith, the, uh, the text of favors today. You know, love never fails, and the greatest of these is love. Three other points I want to add, and that's going to go up on the screen for you in one block for you if you're, if you're one who's taking notes here today. And that is that love for God and us cost Jesus his life. There is a sense of danger that is in this. If you want to live an adventurous life, and danger is your idea of adventure, then you start loving people like Christ loved you, and you will experience dangerous situations. Everywhere you go, that'll be part of you. It'll test you. It'll, you'll have to have courage. you go places you wouldn't go. You'll say things you would never say. You'll forgive people you would never forgive. You'll find yourself serving in ways you'd never serve if you love that way. Secondly, we are never closer to God. Leave those up there, would you? We're never closer to God than when we love others like he loves us. We're never closer to God than that. So I've learned that I experience God most fully when I love others like he loved me. And that's not easy to do. That's hard to do. Yet the more I learn to do that, the more I experience God's love in my own heart and my own life and experience that more fully the way he wants me to. And thirdly, love calls for the highest risk but offers the greatest reward. The highest risk but the greatest reward because that's where life is to be lived. So please hear that. Love is dangerous. Jesus knows that. He says, follow me. But we're also told in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. The dangerous act of Christ led to the cross, but that life that was given to him gave him life and he gave life to you and me. And what a celebration that is for us today as we talk about love. Bow with me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for your gift to us today of loving us once again, offering it, Lord, not only in him and prayer and your presence among us, but also in, in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. We thank you for loving us so much, God, that anew you offer us the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, his broken body and his shed blood. Your love, God, made tangible for us, not just words, but in what you did and who you are and how we receive you today. Bless this sacrament and us in the receiving of it. We thank you for your gift of love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.